Welcome to another episode of the Rayados Nani Podcast. I'm your host, Eduardo Dorazo. And on today's episode, we are trying something new. Since it's a new season, a new season for us, we decided let's try something new. We are splitting our podcast into three segments. In the first segment, you'll hear myself and a special guest co-host, since Patrick wasn't available to record that day or Sunday. So you'll hear Pete, who's in charge of the AC Milan blog. I think he told me he's an editor and he does some writing for the Mexican SB Nation blog. So he was kind enough to, to hop on and help me, you know, record uh this this podcast and in the second episode or the second uh, segment of the of the podcast you'll hear rompas with a special guest if you are a, an america fan or just simply know their followers i guess if you want to say that he has a he has a really good he's a really cool guest there and the, the 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 final segment of the podcast we talk about more in depth the ac milan to or the Rolfo Bizarro rumors to AC Milan, and then we help preview or help uh, set up, you know, the America preview. So, before we start the episode, please give us a like or a review on iTunes if you listen to it there, and enjoy the show. Welcome to a new segment, or the, the the new season, we'll call this, of the Rayados 90 podcast. I am your host, Eduardo Razo. And before I introduce a new, uh, I'm not going to say a new guest. He's been, if, if you follow our Twitter account, he's relatively active with us. But before I do that, you know, I want to go into the, just this new format that we're doing with the podcast. And just, you know, where we want to take this, this new season. I mean, even though we started in January, technically, just because it's the new season that's starting next week, we, we're going to call this new season. We're going to break our podcast into three segments. If you're familiar with shows like Pardon the Interruption or, or Dan Labertard's Highly Questionable, those shows are broken up into different segments. And so I thought, you know, we'll do that. So just to, you know, give the listener a, a a refresher or just change it up a little bit and so for this segment i'm going to present or every week we're going to have the top five top five for now uh storylines of the week and joining me to just guest hosts for, for this segment and uh the third segment of this podcast is pete if you don't know who he is he writes for the uh what what, what is it the the it's the mexican national team blog on sp nation as well yeah. as the AC Milan SB Nation uh, blog. So, Pete, if you want to just introduce yourself and and just any other details that you want to add. All right. Um, like like Eddie said, I'm uh, Pete. I'm at Football Pete. Uh, like football, like the uh, like in Spanish. Uh, Seven one seven at Twitter on Twitter, and uh, I cover um, three teams for SB Nation. Um, I cover Monterrey. Um, for the FMM State of Mind, uh, that's like, and then uh, I run the blogs for AC Milan Offside and for Leeds United, 
which has been a little bit of a trip with Bielsa there this past year and going into next year. So, but yeah, so obviously with Milan being linked to Bizarro, my like the streams across in here, it's like I, I get to talk about things I actually know something about. So, not many people in Italy or even in English are very familiar with uh, Bizarro. So, it's it's nice to be able to talk about a transfer that I know something about. So before we get into that, because I think that alone deserves its own detail, you know, in-depth discussion, we'll, we'll reserve that topic for the third segment of the podcast. But in this first segment, we have five storylines of the week. We're going to start off with the first one being the, you know, we're going to recap the Gold Cup, even though it's already been a week since everything happened. Uh, what's there to say? Mexico beat the United States one nothing. And there were four Rayados that had a had a hand in 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 this you know coronation of of Mexico's Gold Cup victory. The most important one is arguably Rodolfo Pizarro. He missed the first what three games I believe, or yeah, three three or four games. I'm not too sure if he just missed the entire group stage, but he missed at least three and came back. He look he's look like he hasn't missed the beat. He's Whatever he's doing, he's on fire right now, and that's why he's getting all the links to Europe. But there were other guys. There was Charlie Rodriguez, who eventually became a a key sub off the bench. Then you had Cesar Montes, who had a couple starts. And then Jesus Gallardo, who Tata Martino said, you know, he may not have gotten all the publicity of uh, Pizarro or Raul Jimenez or, uh, or anybody else, but he said that he was... One of the better players on the on the squad. So Pete, now that the gold, the gold cup is all over and done with, what what are some of your takeaways from uh, this edition of the 2019 Gold Cup? Um, <clears throat> like uh, I think that um, Pizarro being uh, out for the first couple of matches actually ended up being a blessing in disguise because he was so fresh. Um, the Gold Cup after a long club season, there's not a whole lot of break in between it, so you end up having a lot of uh, fatigue definitely factors into it this is normally the time when a lot of clubs are a lot of players for clubs are are not playing they're just taking their breaks um so it was nice to see um it was it was it was good to see Pizarro come in and he got a little bit of a break not deliberately just because he was injured and then he was able to really be be a big difference maker in the final match against uh, against the United States um, it was nice to see Gallardo play a very good role as as an attacking fullback. It's kind of like the uh, the system that Martino play likes to play, as the fullbacks are definitely part of the attack, and you, he definitely showed that. Um, especially again, especially in the final. Uh, the only thing I would like to see, I would like to have seen Cesar Montes more in the final, uh, or more him play more in the in the group stages and as a whole, because I definitely felt that. Um, Montez could have been a big asset, especially uh, against the United States um, and against Costa Rica because of, of his uh, height, for, for no other reason that he's just one of the tallest, if not the tallest Mexican defender. And he could have helped a lot in the box. It got to the point where, you know, they were trying all this stuff against um, against the United States, especially against the United States, where they were kicking the ball out and trying to score off, off corner kicks by playing out wide or whatever, instead of putting it into the box. And Montez could have helped with that. So that's my that's the only bone I had to pick necessarily with it. But so. And the only scary moment of the entire Gold Cup, because with international competition, if if you're you know if you have a 
important player playing in these competitions for you know for their country as a club supporter your biggest fear is injury and Pizarro had that hype I think, I think it was a hyper extended elbow uh, I'm not sure it, it looked gruesome if you go back and look at it his I think his elbow bent the other you know it bent in oh, the direction yeah, that, that was... it shouldn't yeah it bent in the direction that elbows are not supposed to bend and I have no idea how he came back I, I it was right before halftime and I tweeted out that there's no way in hell that he should be on the on, on the pitch again because, you know, club competition starts in a week and a half, and or two weeks or whatever. And I did not want I like like I like I like I told, I told my co-host or I tweeted to him. I said, "Hey, you know what? Whoever is in charge at Monterrey, they got to give a call to to the Mexican national team and say, hey, there's no way you should put him back in.'" Because I'm pretty sure clubs have that kind of power where they have the trainers or et cetera or, or someone important on speed dial, and and they can call and say, hey, you know what? No, that's that's it, uh, we don't want him to further you know harm the harm the injury or or whatever it was. So, Pete, just give us give me your thoughts on on just that injury and you know eventually everything worked out. Pizarro, I think he was involved in that first goal, if I'm not mistaken. And, and, you know, he was arguably the player of the match, but, you know, how, like, as, as someone who covers Monterey, like, since you have an unbiased, was it smart of him to, to, to remain in the game? I know it's a final, I know it's, you're playing for your country, but just give me your thoughts on, on that whole situation. At the time, I really did agree with you and Pat that he should not have been, he should have been pulled at halftime after that injury. You're just like, oh no. You know, it's the worst, it's the worst fear you can have. Like you said, as a club supporter, to watch one of your players go down an international match. But, you know, he ended up working out okay. But it was, you know, it was like, oh no, he's got to be done. There's no way, there's no way he should be on the pitch, back on the pitch. But, you know, uh, most athletes will be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I got to go back out there. And we'll, and we'll, you have to kind of prevent them from going, hurting themselves. It did look really ugly, but they, I mean, maybe they just figured out ah, it's just his elbow. It's not his knee. Right. So it ended up, like I said, it ended up being okay anyways. So. Yeah. So that is that. Rayados had a game yesterday. If, if you're listening to this, we recorded on a Sunday, we're recording on a Sunday, but they had a match or the last preseason match. Uh, Saturday against uh, Leones Negros, who they will be facing in the Gold Cup, not the Gold Cup, the Copa MX uh, tournament. So, you know, they'll, they'll see them a couple more times down the road. But in this match, uh, Rayados pulled out a 2 nothing win. But Pete, I don't really want to break... I mean, it's preseason. I, I, there's so much like I, we can break down over the match. I just want to get your thoughts on preseason matches. Because as... You know, you you've watched plenty plenty of soccer and preseason matches for me, and I regard this to every sport. I do not care for preseason. I, for me, it's just how a, how a club looks, how how the squad looks, because players are going to be pulled out at at certain points of the match, and I don't think there's any rule on substitutions, if I'm not mistaken. Sometimes it just depends on the league, but for the most part. I, I'm just trying to see how a team looks or how a squad looks. If they're making the right passes, if if you know they're creating enough scoring chances, and this this against Leones Negros, that first half was kind of dull for me. I mean, they they were making the right passes, but the passes weren't being led to scoring chances. 
and the only bright spot for me or bright spots for me in that in that first half were Stefan Medina, who I believe this was his first game back. I have to double check that. And Nico Sanchez, the center backs, they look like they're they're ready for the season, especially Stefan Medina, who uh, had a key clearance. And I see them just make some really good solid tackles. So for me, Stefan Medina is ready to go. He's he's itching to go, and you know he's picking up where he left off last season. And I think he had a decent, you know, a pretty good Copa America. And then in the second half, you know, Avila Surtado got the two goals. And so they were able to, you know, put their dominance in. Leones Negros did go to goal towards the end. But, you know, that's all she wrote. So, Pete, just give me your, you know, quick thoughts on, on preseason in general and in just, you know, whatever uh, nuggets that you're taking away from the last preseason match. Um, when it comes to preseason matches, the only thing I really care about is match fitness. Um, like, and if the players get a, have learned to, like, <clears throat> like you said, if the squad looks good together, then so be it. But the main purpose of it is is just to give everybody some minutes to get everybody fit for the season. I don't put any stock into results because the only thing, because you can tell, like, the coaches don't put a lot of stock into the results. Um, so... I've watched other teams, um, you know, other teams look dreadful in, in preseason and you're leaving yourself going, oh, my God, this team's going to be terrible. And they come out flying in the first couple games. Um, other times you see teams look great in preseason and then they fall off a cliff as soon as the, as, as soon as the season starts. Um, so, like, I don't know. You know some of the, uh, like, Italian teams, they've been playing, like, uh, some minnows from their own leagues, like the Serie uh, Sede or whatever, or or local non-professional sides, and they're winning like seventeen nothing or twenty-one nothing or something like that. And it's like, the, how is this useful? It's just not useful. I mean, you're playing against players who are. I mean, it's it's if it's if it's that easy for your players, they're not really learning anything. They're not really doing anything other than building match fitness. So, if they win two-one, they could have lost four nothing, and it wouldn't have mattered at all to me. And any thoughts on on? I'm not sure how much you're able to watch against Leones Negros. Any anything you take away that you saw that maybe caught your eye? No, I I wasn't able to watch it. So I mean, I was just looking at like from. I just looked at the tweets, kind of looked at what was going on in the game. It was nice to see Hurtado uh, get a couple goals, but that's that was that was it. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's how much we should just pay pre, uh, attention to preseason. I like like you said, it it's all about match fitness. How how the like I said, how the squad looks. You know, they're making right passes, they're creating enough scoring chances, and if they look like they're ready to go for the season, I, I, I get like it, it doesn't matter. The final score line doesn't matter to me. Uh, moving on, since, since that's enough about preseason, we're going to get into transfer talk because what is it? What, what's a podcast without some transfer for transfer talk? And as we mentioned, the Pizarro, the Pizarro one will be left to towards the end just because we can go more in depth than that. The two names that circulated heavily during the week or during the week were the Stwani and the Vincent Jansen rumors. Pete, I'm gonna give you the floor on this one before I, I take over because I tweeted out yesterday my thoughts on it. So let me give you the floor on just your thoughts on, on these two uh, striker targets. Um all right. Uh first I'm going to talk about uh, Jansen um, from uh, 
taught from Spurs. Um, he was a great player at AZ and uh, the Netherlands. Um, he was great in the Divisie. He won the Player of the Year while at AZ. Scored 27 goals in one season. You think great. You know, he's obviously got some talent there. He went to Spurs and just never worked out. Uh, he had great build-up play. I talked to um, Dustin from the uh, from Cartilage Free Captain, the um, the SB Nation uh, Spurs blog. So it's not like I'm an expert in this. I talked to somebody who, who kind of is. And he said that, you know, he was, had great – he had good work ethic. He had good hold-up play. But um, they say he kind of struggled with his weight a little bit. So and he just wasn't quite as quick as you would have liked to see him. And uh, he and Pochettino had a huge falling out. Um, so he just never got in the matches. Um, he said he had a lot of trouble. Uh, as Desson put it, he he would get he would, he could do good. He had good hold up play. He could good work rate. And but when he just could not have the blood side, broad side of a barn while it was there, um, kind of making me think that the Premier League defenders just were just too quick for him. And he just getting in those open spaces, open shooting spots. He just wasn't able to do that in England as he was in the edit of his E. Um, I guess last year he had refused to go out alone. This was kind of behind the scenes or not really official kind of rumor. He had he was rumored to refuse to go on, out on loan, so he got banished to the U23s. Played there most of the season last year until like until they had injury crisis where everybody was injured, and then he got back in the team for a little bit. But he's not somebody the Spurs really want wants. Um, they didn't mind him like some of the fans like um, at Cardi Free didn't they didn't mind him thought he was a good guy, but he just. He and Pochettino, once you fought with Pochettino, you're just done. So, and he, he, uh, and then the season before that, he had, he was at Fenerbahce in Turkey, and then he hurt his foot within like the first week or something like that, and it was out like the entire season. So he's got a little bit of bad luck there. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's not somebody like, like you can tell definitely to Spurs would just like to move on at this point from, from him. So I think he'd be a, a much I think he'd be an expensive purchase for Ray Autos. Um on the same time though, you know, it, it's one of those things where he, he looked great in the edit of Z, but you know, can he necessarily hack it without without a lot of pace in Mexico? I mean, Mexico's not been a, a league that really you, you don't need to like the pace like you would necessarily in uh in the Premier League to play to play striker in Mexico, but at the same time it's not some if he's having trouble getting shots off and getting trouble in in, uh, in the Premier League, it's it's a little worrying. Um, as for Stuani, I, I would prefer him um, to Jansen, simply because I think Stuani would be a uh, is more proven. Uh, he's a little bit um, older, but he's proven himself in La Liga. Um, I know his time at Middlesbrough wasn't exactly great, but you know. I, I think he definitely is a, would be adapt better to um, to uh, Liga MX than he would than Jansen would necessarily, um, for no other reason that I'm not sure if Jansen speaks Spanish or not. But you know, obviously, Stoney being from Uruguay would be a a, a be a better fit um, in, on in some place like Monterrey. Yeah, and um, the coach so. is Uruguayan, so that that also yeah, helps. exactly. Yeah, so. and uh, you know, and the other. Um, there's other Uruguayans on the squad, so it's it, it would be a little bit better. So I mean, it, it is kind of the thing where you kind of like, oh, we can get a European player over here. I'm like, well, maybe, but you know, it's not necessarily going to be. Are, are they are they going to care at the same rate? I mean, not everybody's going to be like. 
No, I um, want. I wanted to add, Pete, just because you just touched on that. Is is that whole? I I think people or, or other people that support Liga MX clubs look at Guignac and, and Tigres, and I think they want their own version of that. It, they want their own European to come in and be that, like like Guignac is, and I we seen America try with Jeremy Mendes. I I kind of little have a soft spot for for Menes because he played with PSG, but when you look at that, it hasn't worked out. Like it, he hasn't stayed healthy when he's on the pitch. But doesn't he's not, you know, threatening offensively. And now there's rumors that they want him out, but he has nowhere to go. So it can go either way. You know, there's a a a, a, a I'm not gonna say I I think fetish is a is a wrong word to use, but a lot of Liga Mekis supporters want that version of what Tigres has with Guignac. And I just want to get your thoughts on that. Do you buy into that? Or why do you think there's other, you know, that other clubs like Monterrey want their their own European? I think maybe they think they can get, uh, like I said, it's the Guignac, like I said, fetish is a good word. It's not necessarily the word to use it, but everybody wants their Guignac. Um, like I said, Menes, he's also a former Milan player, so it would have been nice to see him succeed at at, um, at America. I mean, not that well, obviously, but, you know, I mean, it would it would be nice for him personally to do well, but you can definitely tell it's just not worked out. And I think sometimes um, it, it's it, MLS went through a phase, and they're still kind of doing it too, by the way, is that MLS, when they had a phase where they just brought over all of those, um, all the all the aging European stars, and they, then they lit up the league and they kind of, and a lot of them sometimes don't. And you think it's because some of them think it's like they're going to a retirement league or they don't have to try as hard because you're going to, you know, you're just, go, you're just going to, you know, MLS. Now, I don't know if the League MX has the same reputation over there that like MLS would. Obviously, League MX is much more competitive and it's a better league. But, you know, I, I just wonder sometimes if the Europeans like, like, are they really going to come over and be committed? Or are they just looking for uh, uh, looking for a paycheck? So, yeah, yeah, and and I'm in the same boat with you, with Stoney. I I know he's older. He's 32, going on 33, I believe. He'll be 33 in August or September. I know he has a birthday coming up, so he's going to be 33 in the oh, okay October. Yeah, he's going to be 33. I have stuff to pull up right here. So. Yeah, okay, he's going to be 33 <laughs> in the middle of the season, and I I know that's what that's the biggest thorn that why why some people. Uh, are 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 picking Jansen or Jensen because he's younger. He's 25 years old, but he can't stay healthy. Like over the last two seasons, like I tweeted out, he's missed 49 games due to ankle and foot problems. And I'm personally, I don't want to hand over big money to to a player that I you know that probably can't stay healthy. And also when he was with in Turkey. I would have thought maybe he'd put up more than four goals. I think he played in 19 matches. I'm not, I, I didn't check the minutes on on how many total minutes, but four goals for a striker in, in 19 matches in Turkey, which, you know, you you guys or everybody can can look at the comparison between Mexico and Turkey, but four goals isn't that impressive, and so, it, and and then just the whole fallout with Spurs, a a, a striker that that can't stay healthy. And when given an opportunity, can only put four goals. I, I just don't see it. I, I, I don't see it. I, I don't want to risk the money. I'd rather take Stwani. Give me a if he can only give me a year, 
and Monterey can win the league in that year, then, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. If he falls off the cliff uh, next year at this time and we won the league, then for me, it, it was a, a good investment. I mean, I've seen it with Kawhi as a Raptors fan. Took a year on Kawhi. We won the championship. He left. But, you know, the championship, the championship is, you know, banners hang forever. Stars on the kit are there forever. So if Swanee just comes in for a year and we win the league, it's a, it's a good investment. And plus, I don't think his age is that big of a problem. I mean, as someone who's seen a lot of Benfica matches, Jonas at 34 scored 34 goals. And so, again, if you, I think Mexico and the Portuguese league are not on par, but they're not, the, the gap isn't that wide. So, you know, I, I think Stoney just makes way better sense than, than Jansen just because injuries, underperforming, I, I just don't want to see uh, Monterey take that risk. I'm not yeah, sure. And yeah, go ahead. I, I agree with that also because I think the sp- falling out with Patochino at Spurs, I mean, Patochino can be kind of my way and the highway kind of kind of uh, manager. But then again, who isn't? What manager isn't a my way or the highway kind of guy? Mm-hmm. And I think it's certain, it kind of speaks, if you get banished to the U23s um, and refuse to go on loan, you know, it's just like, I don't know if attitudes right for because I think a lot of that stuff's usually overrated, like locker room cancer or whatever is usually overrated. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if they're basically just saying wanting him out, well, then, you know, what does that say about him? Whereas Stuani, I mean, Irona got re- got relegated. So what are you going to do? So, yeah. So. so, you know, that's that for that for that rumor. I know we went a little bit overboard, but. It's just, it's a, it's a heated discussion between the other supporters. And I've seen some people say Jansen, seen some people say Stwani. And eventually we're going to have an answer. We're either going to have one or the other or none. It all just depends what happens. Transfer window still going on. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. The uh, next... I, I think I responded to your tweet by saying, you know, Stwani is better. Why is this even a thing? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Why is this even a thing? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. Next, the next on the agenda, we're gonna switch over to the women's squad. Rayadas. I'm gonna start off with the new additions before we go on to the other stuff. There's two two topics before we close out this segment. The first one, there's there's a lot of new additions they've made this off season. They've added, I think, at least nine names. I'm trying to pull up their their names, but I know one of them. This is like their this this. They made two new additions. The first of the two is their first Mexican-American, uh, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, slot that they can that they can have or that they can have on the squad. I'm trying to pull up her name. I should I should have. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I, and I'm Mija or, or Mija, I gotta pull it out. It's, it's yeah. I, you're obviously my Spanish. I struggle with Spanish. I, I can I can usually follow along a game, but I'm not fluent at all. And so, yeah. By the way, for anybody who listens in English who stumbles across this, across this, you can totally watch a, a Liga MX match in Spanish and be just fine. But you know, that's for another. another yeah. Day, so. Yeah. I think. Hold on. I'm pulling up. I got the first. I got the first of the two. Okay. So I got it. So it's Anna. Mejia. So it's, it's, it's no, Ania, Ania Mejia. So Ania Mejia is their first Mexican American. You know, she she fulfills, she doesn't have to fulfill, but she's the 
one of the the Mexican American slots that now the new Liga MX uh, has for for the league since this is the first year that they're going to allow Mexican Americans into that or into the league. So and she's from Los Angeles. So uh, not to sound biased, but I'm going to be rooting a little bit extra for her just because you know being an LA native myself, you know I want to I want to see the uh, CLA, you know. I want to see her do well. So, but but yeah, I, I I just want to touch on how how do you see this Liga MX feminine season playing out? I think you know when you make eight new you know reinforcements or bring in eight like eight reinforcements, they are they're they you know they have their sights set on on finally winning that championship, and but they also brought in another player. Uh, let me see her. Let me go back up. And I think she's only like 16. She's really, really young. Uh, I think it's not a, no, not Natalie. No, God, I suck at pronouncing names. Nylia Aramvide. Oh, God. If she listens to this, I, I swear I apologize. <laughs> but yeah, she's like 16 or she, she's like, yeah, she's 16, I believe. If, if I'm not mistaken, she's really, really young. So it's 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 going to be interesting to watch her and Eileen Aviles throughout the season because those two are the youngest players on the squad. I'm not sure who's the youngest, but those two are like I know for a fact because I think Eileen is like 16. I know she was 15 uh, during the Clausura. I'm not I do not know her birthday. So you know she's she's probably 16, maybe 17. I I I have no idea, but it's interesting that they're going to have two teenagers on the squad for this uh, Apertura. And I just want to get your thoughts on that, Pat. Like, I'm not Pat. Pete, do you do you like seeing teenagers on the squad? It can be. How do you think it benefits having teenagers on the squad for not just the player but the squad? Um, <clears throat> not usually a huge fan of players of teenagers playing up uh, with the senior squad. Um, there's lots of, there's plenty of history of teenagers getting in over their head and just not being able to adapt. Um, that being said, if they're make good enough, to, if they're good enough to make the team ages shouldn't matter. If they're good enough, they can play. Um, and they get the exposure to the professional environment. They exposed to like an, a real club environment. I don't know what else they, what else they could be doing or what other, like other than just like the Mexico, like U16 or whatever systems it is. So it's nice to have them in the professional environment um, and developing with, with professional coaches. Um, so in that sense, it's good for them on the, on the same side though. It, it's a little bit, you don't want to necessarily throw them in on the deep end because that you you don't want them to burn out really quick mm-hmm. or or, or yeah. you know um, hinder their development as players yeah. by throwing them in. I've seen too many teenagers get a whole lot of hype and get thrown in at 18, 19 years old, or or even like say this, these girls are sixteen. That's really young to be going out there playing against against professionals who've played a whole bunch of a bunch of minutes now the nice thing about uh leo max feminil is you only have so many players over 25 on each roster yeah i think it's three 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 players that are over the age of 25 so you can't it's not like you're gonna have a bunch of like grizzled veterans with like 10 or 12 or even 14 years on these girls who are going to be out there going yeah it's this this little kid's trying to take my spot and you know come in with high with a high boot or something in, in practice but at the same time you know it's just a little you know, 
you just want to make sure that the uh, you your coaches are, are using them correctly and not throwing them in the deep end and watching them flounder. Yeah. So, yeah, and and the squad had two departures. Uh, one of them, I know for a fact, one of them has started. You know, it was there from the beginning. Um, you had a uh, Pamela Verderami. She she she. I think she decided to take some person. You know, this was a personal decision. And then you had Norali. Armenta, who ended up going to Atlas Femenil. So those were the key departures this this week. But, you know, like 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 I was telling Pat, I think I told him off off recording that, you know, when you bring in eight, nine players, to, you know, there, there was going to bound to be some some people moving on and and we've seen it. So, you know, it's 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 gonna, it's a lot of competition. And, you know, Rayadas have been so close twice to 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 winning that championship, but Tigres is probably the only squad that stands in their way, and we'll just see. And just just to switch out to the last topic, transitioning, Rayadas are, you know, their season starts tomorrow against Morelia, but this past week they announced or they they debuted or whatever you want to call it, some new kits. And I just want to get your thoughts on on the new kits. Pete, uh, what are your just what are your thoughts in general? Uh, I I know I I I like them. I no, I don't like them. I love them, especially the I don't know if you want to call it sky blue, baby blue, or whatever you call that color. But that one is is really my favorite. Yeah, that dark blue with the sky blue, the contrast on them. It's been used a number of times, and it never doesn't look good. Does that make sense? Like every time I see a jersey with those like, with those colors on it, no matter the sport, it, it looks good. And these these kits are really good, like really nice. Um, so much so that I'm like I'm trying to figure out if I could if if there's a way to purchase them in men's in men's sizes for uh, in the United States. I mean yeah. they 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 look really nice. Yeah, um, I'm I'm. Okay, so I was I'm thinking if if I can't get in a men's size, I'll I'll just grab it frame it and put it put it put it on my wall just because i really like that baby blue one i it's yeah i i throw my money at that oh definitely yeah that's definitely a nice that's a nice one it's a little nice what they've done um yeah i think you guys touched on this before in a couple podcasts before but like especially when you've talked to some of the people from riadas uh, it's nice that they've done just a little bit towards um adjusting their they're still riadas they're still part of the club but giving kind of their own little identity with the different badge and now the different color and the different the different um the different kits because they i mean yeah. like giving them their own little identity but still they're still part of it's still one team yeah. and i you know that i think is one of the reasons why um the 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 classical regio regio in uh in um in terms of Liga X Feminil has been successful is because it's Tigres playing Monterrey. It's Tigres versus Reados. That's way more important than who's wearing or even if it's a if it's a man or a woman. It's still you're still still playing your city rivals. Who cares what league or how it's being done? Yeah. So yeah. And just a bit of news before we transition to our second segment. The first game for for Rayadas, the first home match will be played not at the not at the BBVA, but at the Barrial. So they won't be playing in the main stadium for their first home match. But I think their second home, I think the matches after that, I got to look at the, I, I don't have the Liga Mekis thing pulled up, but I think the rest of their matches are going to be at the BBVA. And, and yeah, it, it's, you know, they're going to, I hope, you know, this is it. I hope this is, you know, third time's the charm for them. And they can finally get that 
that elusive championship that's you know that that's eluded them uh the past two years but like i said the, the this is our first segment the second segment you'll hear uh rompas he has a, a guest with him to break down america and just do do it's a lot of preview talking it's him and if 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 you don't know who he, his guest is let me pull up his his twitter too i let me pull that up it's uh leon esquire or esquire uh he's the he's the afro americanista so you know they have a really good discussion previewing each other you know previewing the club seasons what what leon expects and and then just they preview the the america match uh the america match between um rayados and, and america which will be played on saturday so enjoy that conversation and we'll we'll see or you'll hear us on the on the end of that Hey guys, so welcome to the new segment of the Royals 90 podcast with uh, Rompas. Uh, and we have a guest today. Um, he's a huge American fan. We reached out to him because uh, the upcoming match uh, between Royals and, and America this, this next week is the first match of the tournament. So yeah. we reached out to him. So uh, go ahead, uh, Mr. Squire. Let's <laughs> know who you are. What about uh, where, where did you how did you get to where you are on on, on Twitter? Uh, and well, go ahead, bro. Let him know. Thanks, Rampas. Um, my name is Leon Esquire. I, uh, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. I was raised in California. I Fell in love with Mexican soccer at a young age, uh, thanks to my primary, uh, primarily uh, Mexican environment and my stepdad, which is a huge American fan himself. Uh, he's a Mexican citizen. Uh, basically, you know, I got started off in this. I've always been a fan, but I, I got started off in this by mistake, I would say, about three years ago when I uh, messaged a page uh, that is like a huge Club America supporting page. And uh, they were like, oh, you know, you're a, you're a Club America fan. Like, tell me a story. And, you know, I told my story. And, you know, I started doing videos. And, uh, well, you know, the rest is history. The rest is history. And uh, <laughs> I, I yeah, started doing yeah, my yeah. videos. They started going, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was uh, <laughs> thinking that, that uh, we have been back and forth uh, in, the, in the past. Yeah. Uh, you you and I with uh, with the, the the los mamastrosos account, uh, we did a video uh, as well for the Real America uh, yeah. game, and it, and it it got a lot of a lot of interactions in Twitter. Uh, that those two videos, right? Yes, they did real well. It was like a little rivalry going back and forth type of thing. It was real interesting. <laughs> yeah, a lot of craziness going on. You know, yeah. passionate fans and everything. <laughs> no, and the thing that that uh, we do have in common that, that we were talking earlier before we we record is that we share the same particular hate for a particular small team uh, <laughs> around Mexico. Uh, uh, tell me uh, where it's not actual hate, right? Just to be clear, but where does that come from? Uh, with with the American fans because Royale is well it's, it's classical right but yeah. with with America 
where where does that begin and and how is it been growing up okay well i think that the hate for the tigres not hate actually the rivalry if you should call it uh for the tigres that started off since 2014 the final um and then of course it festered more uh the 2016 final that we lost uh basically we don't we as americanistas we don't really even see the the tigres fans as a real rival we don't take them real seriously we yes, just kind of see them as the little brother that like tries to <laughs> act like they're you know the the big brother you know like they're accomplished you know when they're really not they live within their fantasy you know type exactly. of thing yeah it's it's just that that for tigres fans it's easy because for them South Korea in Mexico started on 2011, so <laughs> that's 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 what it is. But let's let's talk about uh, uh, the upcoming game, bro, uh, between Reals and America. I want to hear your thoughts first on how do you think America's performance is gonna be throughout the tournament, given the pe people who have left the club and the people who have joined the club. How do you mm -hmm. see it uh, going forward on the tournament? Because you you guys were champions just about a year ago and then uh last season it was on the semifinals i think that you were you were uh eliminated so yeah. you you've been doing a, a a great job so how do you see this tournament for america well <laughs> i mean we should be camp we should be champions this time around we we lost the last final due to technicalities but i would say that yeah. I think that personally, even with the Bajas or the, uh, the the players that we did lose, like Peralta, we lost a lot of uh, a lot of youth players to to, to Catepec, and uh, I think that we should be okay. America didn't do many movements this season. We added Giovanni dos Santos, which is going to be a great a great player in the midfield, um, distributing the ball. I really do feel I could see. Giovanni playing real good. If we play like a formation, like a four-five-one, where we have like a solid midfield and one one uh, forward Castillo, I think that we're going to be pretty well. I don't I don't see anything wrong. the The loss of Peralta was more of a because he's already thirty five. He, he's he's thirty five years old. He's not. In my personal opinion, I thought I've always thought he was finished. But um, I really do see America being good. Um, Peralta was just a moral. A moral hurt because he went to our rival, but I do think that yeah. America's gonna be really, really strong this time, uh, this time around. Especially if they get that center, if they get a center back. But we'll see about that. Um, how do you see the uh, how you see Rado's doing this year? <laughs> oh well, first I, I I do agree with you on the America not being champions because it's our turn now. But I do, <laughs> I do see you guys uh, doing a, a great tournament. As, I mean, the, the respect that I have for America is, is it's simply explained. Uh, you guys are the only team out of the four supposedly great teams or, <laughs> or grandes. The only one that really has kept that uh, name uh, and not drag it through the floor like Chivas is just America. <laughs> so I have that, that respect for you guys. And uh, But the thing is that we... We as Real, we need to, to be champions. It's not just uh, a matter of wanting to. It's that we need now. So it's different, right? Um, yeah. And uh, the way that, that the team is um, coming together, uh, I think that, that 
we can do a, a great a great tournament even though we have alonso which which always has this uh this cloud of, of doubts around him uh but we have to give it the, the benefit of the doubt because they're not gonna fire him so we have to <laughs> stand by him but I, I i wanted to ask you you mentioned a little bit about giovanni uh giovanni started to 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 ring a bell over here in Rayals first, and then you guys sign him. Uh, do, do you actually see him like succeeding? Because be honest, uh, he hasn't played any great football in, in about, what, four or five years maybe? So how, how do you see this uh, change of, of environment? Uh, maybe, well, the fact that he is on a team that he really loves may, may help. But but how do you how do you see him uh, performing? Do you think he's gonna like like do great, or you gonna you gonna see a Giovanni uh, ups and downs all over again? That's a good question. Actually, um, I do see Giovanni doing pretty well in America. He might, I mean, he might not be an all star, but he can definitely be a huge contributor, uh, a good role player in the team in the sense to where. I mean, it's really it's different than the Galaxy. The Galaxy was a like a pure like money move. Like he just went to the Galaxy because he wanted yeah. to cash out. You know, he's going to a team to where his father's played, his entire family loves. He has a lot of passion invested in this. Uh, but it's not just that though. It's not just that. I do see. Uh, I do see based off of his contract. Supposedly, they're saying that his contract is performance based. So if he's not producing. He's not going to get that money mm -hmm. that he wants. So um, okay. it's a win-win for both parts. So if he's just – he comes to America, he flops, he's not doing good. He lowered his wage, by the way. Um, he just flops, then he's not going to get the wage that he wants. And me and me personally, I think that's worth it. That's a good risk. It's still a good – it's still a risk because he's, uh, he's still making a lot of money, but he's not making the money that he was making in Galaxy. If he wants to make that money, then he has to show us why he deserves that money. Um, many Americanistas are hung over the 2011 Giovanni Dos Santos because, you know, they look at the highlights, yeah. you know, we're thinking yeah. it's going to be some crazy stuff like that. Like, you know, the Barcelona, you know, nah, it's not going to be that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I do think that it's a great, uh, attribute in the team. I think that he could, I think he still has a little bit left in the tank. You know, America, we don't go, you know, contracting 35 year olds, you know, <laughs> but I, I will say one thing, too, is that Giovanni is from Monterey. He is Regio. And I, I believe, I'm not sure if he said this or, or Jonathan, but he said the only two teams that he's really willing to play for is Rayados and or America. In so, America. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the thing is that I, I agree in, in the part that, that you mentioned that uh, the contract is based on, on performance. So that's going to help a lot. Yeah. Um, I do know that if he plays... 50% of his ability, his actual ability, he he's uh, above the the average of the of the Mexican players, so he would be uh, succeeding. But the thing is that uh, he's he's uh, like you mentioned, it's a it's a bet, right? Uh, he is in his 30s, so he has a, at least three years of great soccer if he if he really aims. To, to succeed in America. Um, I hope for, for, for his sake, I hope that he does good. And uh, because that would help uh, 
the, the actual national team in the future, if he's on a great level, he can go back to the national team. So yeah. it's, it's a win-win situation. Now, the, the, the game, the Rayados America in you know, the Mexico, how do you see it going? I uh, think America is going to win. Uh, what, what is your, your thoughts about it? Ooh, man, with the Rattles, it's really, yeah. it's irregular. Be honest. Like, be honest. <laughs> no, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Like, it's really irregular. Like, last year, I thought that we were going to destroy the Rattles. And you saw what happened. Like, it was, it was, because, I mean, it's based on, it, what worries me is the lack of productivity with Nico Castillo. He didn't do nothing in Copa America. I thought he was going to, you know, be better. I mean, we, we have Roger and everybody that have bettered in Copa America, but, um, in my opinion, I don't know what's going to really happen because Rayados, I mean, they're that team that you look at and you, you think, all right, yeah, we're going to win. But then they pull out that surprise and they just like, they're, cause you guys have some pretty like good arms, like some pretty good weapons. I mean, you got Pavon, which is people are saying it's done already, but anyways, Aviles, you guys got Funes Mori. I mean, like there's a lot of good weapons that you guys do have. And when you guys attack, you guys, you guys, you guys finish them with us with America. It's kind of like. We have a good game, and then we have a horrible game, and then we have a really good game, and then maybe another good game, and then three horrible games. And it's just, like, really irregular. But in general, like, the last couple seasons with Rayados, it's just been really irregular. We'll win by three goals, and then we'll lose by three goals. And it's just like, what are we going to do? So I I see it personally. I see America winning. Uh, I see America winning. That's going to be Giovanni's uh, debut, supposedly. Uh, we're going to have Benedetti. We're going to have uh, a lot of good weapons. I think that we can get past the Rayados. It's going to be a real close, like a real close score. I would say maybe uh, maybe a good 2-1, maybe 3-1 if we're good, if we're lucky. So um, I see us winning. And, I mean, you guys got good good weapons. I think because of, I, I'm, I'm basing this based off of the uh, the lack of movement in, in, in Club Monterey. Like, there hasn't been much, how you say it, you guys haven't been reinforcing that much. And so, I mean, I don't know. Based off of the production of Monterey, like, or what they did in Copa Oro, I mean, it's, it's really, like, I can't really tell it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's going to be real close. <laughs> but that's just what I'm thinking now. I was saying that, uh, that uh, it's, uh, it's going to be, it's one of those games that it's pretty hard to, to... Yeah. To to see what's gonna happen because as you mentioned, sometimes we go to, to Azteca and we have a awesome game and we win by one or two goals. But then we go the next season and we we're gonna come back with three goals again. So it's it's really it's really a a, a weird game for me to call. Um yeah. I'm hoping that uh the 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 people who were on the on the national team get uh, get here and actually deliver since day one, uh, so that that could help the the results. But the thing here is that with America, the only thing that is it's a constant situation is the fact that we always see a red card over there. That's that's <laughs> a must. That's always been the situation with America. So when that happens, well, then then the the game is pretty much 
it's it's not level, right? Mm. So that's the only thing that it's it's my concern that that somebody's gonna get thrown off the game. Uh, according <laughs> to at least the last two games, that's been the situation. When you guys came here last season, it yep. was uh, we ended up playing nine against nine because we had two red <laughs> cards per team. So it's a weird it's a weird game, but. The, the thing that I do like about facing America is that it's a, it's a match of, of, of teams that have a lot of power. So yeah. anything can go down, right? Yep. Yep. I agree. Yeah, so, so, well, this, this is um, a bit of a, of a conversation um, between, between an America fan and a Real fan, so the Squire and myself. And I want to thank you for taking the time for this this uh this call. And uh, if you want to plug in your 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 Twitter account so people can reach out to you, go ahead, bro. And whatever you want to add, uh, at, uh, uh, now that we're finishing the 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 conversation. All right. Well, my name is Leon Esquire. My uh my basically for all my social media: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter is Soy Esquire. Um, mm -hmm. S-O-Y-E-S-Q-I-R-E. -E. Um, look me up, follow me. If you have any questions, let me know. And it's been an honor to be on this program. Thank you guys for inviting me. You know, I'm always here. Much love. All right. No, thank you, bro. Thank you for making the time to to, to have this. Uh, it's it's a, a preview of uh, of the actual game. I'm hoping that uh, next, next uh, weekend, now that we know the actual result of the game, we can chop it up a little bit and discuss what went on on the game. All right. And uh, well, thank you, thank you for 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 your time, bro. And of course, we're gonna be talking to each other and reading each other on all social media every single day. So thank you, bro. All right, man. Thanks, family. And I hope you guys have a nice day. All right. May the best team win. <laughs> <laughs> all right. back pete as we mentioned in that first segment you you're the managing editor for the ac milan blog on sp nation so first tell us i know milan is going through some dark times right now and why do you think they're going after pisaro because i know they they were having some you know issues with financial fair play and do you think they're going after pisaro because he only has an eight million dollar I don't, yeah, eight million dollar buyout clause or something, whatever that is, and he, you know, he's a talented player on a not so, you know, with a not so expensive buyout. Um, to touch on Milan, they're going through some financial, um, some financial fair play penalties. It comes to an account from not this past, not last summer, but the summer before, Milan went under new Chinese owners went on a little spending spree and they spent something like two hundred million euros. And Milan could not spend 200 million euros. Just they just couldn't, um, and not even come close to staying within f financial fair play. Um, last year looked like they were going to be thrown out of the Europa League. They appealed to the Court of Arbitration of Sport. They got back in, and then couldn't get out of the group stage, um, losing to Betis a couple times. Um, and Milan basically, as they're trying to get back in the Champions League, it's been 
a long time since it's been the Champions League. I mean, this is kind of a this is a club that in its as any supporter will tell you, this is a club that should be should be there for the should be challenging for number one spot and challenging for for um, Champions League uh, trophies um, until about 10 years ago when uh, they just uh, I don't know if it was just Ben Oscone to ran out of money or whatever it was, but they just stopped being able to get the kind of players in that they had before and everything went downhill. As a result of that, now Milan are trying to claw their way back in. It looked like last year, I mean, they were in third or fourth spot almost the entire season, and they just fell at the last minute. Part of it had to do with because Atalanta just caught fire and just could not be stopped. And then um, also the city rivals, the hated uh, the hated snakes um, into Milan, ended up getting another one of the spots. So Milan's a little bit of a problem because of that. And as a kind of as an agreement to kind of put the financial fair penal, penalties behind them, because more are going to be looming in the future. The new owners, who are American, uh, Elliott Management, um, agreed to uh, not be participating in the Europa League this year. Although they were in the fifth spot, they're not doing the Europa League this year. And now they have to kind of look for bargains because they don't necessarily have the, the income to pull in those 30 or 40 or 50 million pound or euro transfers anymore, much less the 100 million euro transfers. Um, and they have a bunch of players that probably need to move on. Also, you've got a new coach um, coming in uh, with a new system uh, under Gattuso, you know, the Milan legend that he is he wasn't necessarily the greatest tactician in the world. Now, it comes to motivation. I mean, these players will run through walls for him. But in terms of, a, like, tactician-wise, he just didn't have it. And Milan played in a 4-3-3 with two wingers and a, and a midfield three. Now, under the new coach, um, Giampolo, you know, Paolo, I, I'm terrible with names, just like you, Eddie. Uh, he... Um, they have uh, a, a an enganche or number ten in Lucas Paqueta, the Brazilian international. They've got a couple strikers, maybe three strikers that can start up front, including Piatek, who was uh, or Piontek, who is the uh, the uh, rising star um, Polish guy who's who just had a breakout season for Genoa and then continued scoring for Milan once he transferred over. Um, they have Petra Cotrone at one of their striker spots or Andre Silva, whose time outside of Porto is going terribly. So, I mean, he says he's going to challenge for this. I think uh, everybody, um, he's one of the last year where they sold him or loaned him to Sevilla with an option to buy. He scored a hat trick on his Sevilla debut and everyone's like, everyone in Milan was like, Oh no, what happened there? And then he's, and then um, Andre Silva went out and scored six goals the rest of the season. So everyone was like, well, maybe it wasn't such a bad idea. After all, Sevilla decided, now nah, we'll skip on the on the, uh, on the the option to buy. And so they're kind of stuck with him. And so it, Milan has been trying to do some deals, including players, and try to get some stuff done, namely for uh, Jordan Vertu um, from, uh, from Fiorentina. Uh, it does not look like that transfer is going to go through because they're trying to use uh, – Argentine international uh, Lucas Bigula as as kind of like a counterweight to it, and <clears throat> it doesn't look like Fiorentina wants to include that in the thing. Roma is going to be it. Roma is it from with the rumors on it, and Italy. Everybody leaked every Italian place. They all leak like sieves. I mean, it, there's leaks upon leaks upon leaks. Now a lot of them are just kind of garbage, but some of them are are end up being pretty true, and it looks like Roma is offering more money 
and Milan can't compete with Roma or the other the other big dogs for transfer fees if for no other reason than that they have to come up with a break even and they have to to comply with uh UEFA rules they have to break even in a in a certain amount of time uh and they are paying for past penalties so what's interesting to me is Pizarro's linked with this and uh, I've seen some tweets where Pizarro liked a tweet with him uh, with a, with a, with um, one of the stories that he might go to Milan. And then uh, there's a Univision Deportes report about saying that one of his um, one of his people confirmed that they made contact with Milan. So yeah, if, if it is if it's if his release clause is only eight million pounds or dollars or euros or whatever the whatever the format is, it's going to be a much it's going to be a good, it's going to be a better deal for Milan. The thing I kind of struggle with is Pizarro is supposedly too touted as like a Vertu replacement. And I just don't see, um, because they already have Paqueta who plays as the, as the attacking midfielder behind the two strikers. And that's kind of where you would imagine uh, Pizarro would play, not part of a defensive, like a midfield trio. Um, Giampolo plays a four-three-one-two. Um, his midfielders, the, cent- the three central midfielders, kind of like are there to disrupt play and get the ball up to the the three attackers. Um, they're you know, like they're they're relying on a deep lying playmaker, and then two central midfielders playing off of him. Um, I don't see Pizarro playing in a in part of that three. The, I'm part of a three um, a three man midfield for playing that role. I can see him playing behind the strikers. But that's where Paqueta, who you who they've spent 30 million euros on last January, plays. So unless they're planning on moving somebody around or just having Pizarro as a backup, then maybe. But I, it's 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 or it, selling it, Paqueta. It, oh yeah, well they might do that. Yeah, and yeah, if they go to PSG, you are not going to have a problem, Eddie. Yeah. But uh, but but in all seriousness, though, um, it's. It's one of those things where you just kind of wonder why, why, why this, why this move now, and why Milan. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think I droned on a little bit too long there, but at the same time, yeah. it's like you know, the, the, it, it, it's it's curious to me. I, I wrote an article up for uh, Milan offside, not to toot my own horn here a little bit, but it would seem very odd that the way what he's being touted as, at least in the press, as a, as a replacement for it. So I don't know if that's just some journalist yeah. going, oh, they can't, they're missing on one midfielder, they're getting another one. Or yeah. if they really are looking at somebody who can come in and play a role. So, yeah. I don't, so. I don't see Pizarro as a box-to-box midfielder. I think he needs to have the ball. He needs to be allowed to create, generate scoring chances. And like you said, Milan already has a better version, as much as I love Pizarro. They have a better version in, 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 in Paqueta. So, it, and they're not playing in Europe, so it's not like they need the depth and they can rotate. I mean, they're just so their sole focus is the league, so it, it does kind of make it a little like, okay, why are you going to spend eight million dollars on a player that is pretty much a luxury buy? You know, it's it's not something you really need. So, it, it, I don't see this move for Pisado if he wants to go to Europe as as a place where he can start be the main focus of of an attack and be allowed to grow because I don't want to see him just go to Europe just to be a, you know, pretty much just play on the bench. And, you know, it, you kind of touched on it a little bit, just like where he fits. How do you think his game translates to, you know, the, the, the style of play in Italy? 
I think of all the leagues, uh, La Liga and uh, Serie A are better for players coming from uh, Latin America because there is it's not as a, it's not like the Premier League is quick and physical and fast in Serie A that you can you can take your time and you can uh, focus on individual plays uh, and you know if there's build up that comes up through it. Uh, Italy especially they also have you know has a reputation of having better defenders and a more defensive oriented league and that. It can be pretty true. Uh, so somebody like um, Pizarro coming in and being able to create a feet and dribble past people, that's something that's going to be appreciated in, in Italy. Um, the only problem, like I said, is if he comes to Milan, I it, it's it's an odd it's an odd mix. So because I don't, I mean, unless they rotate, but again, why would you rotate? You know, there's no Europe. I mean, there's I don't know if you guys are familiar with the the. Uh, Coppa Italia, but oh it's yeah, a, yeah, domestic cups, people, yeah, yeah. It, you come in at the, you, it starts in January for the big clubs, and you play like four matches, and that's if you make the finals. So it's not like it's it's not like it's a grueling competition like the FA Cup in, is in uh, England or it, or even like the Copa Mekis. You know, it, I think Milan went to the went to the semifinals last year and played in less matches than Rayados did, and not going that or going to a less going to like the quarterfinals after playing a group stage there's no group stage it's, it's like they end they come in at like the round of 32 or whatever it is and they play like two or three matches and not very many teams take it that seriously until it comes to like the semifinals or finals um if you win it that's great if you don't oh well no no worries everyone's more focused on the league mm-hmm. um so it's just one of those things where, yeah, maybe he could. Be, it would. It wouldn't make any sense to buy him for cup competitions because you only. It's like three. It's like I said. It's only going to be like six matches at the most. So yeah. I don't know. So I mean, if they want another option off the bench, or they're looking to try to like you know get a bargain, maybe. But again, it doesn't really. Milan is kind of trying to snap up. They've snapped up some young players, and they're trying to snap up some. Uh, try to buy young and then Pizarro is like what 25 now yeah he's in his mid-20s so he's yeah, probably it, it, if it worked out for them he'd be like a smart bargain it would be like a smart purchase and I'm guessing that's what Milan's trying to do they're probably trying to go young and and just because young talent especially if they're not that noticeable they're relatively cheap and 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 they're, they're, it looks to me like they're just looking for bargains that you know hopefully buy low and and it just you know they're i guess you know their value doubles or, or whatever you want to call it yeah that was kind of like the new model of Milan. it was the idea is that oh we're instead of going out there and spending the 30 or the 40 million million pound players or euro players we're gonna buy the five and ten million pound players and then maybe maybe eventually turn them into like a 20 million pound player and then or Euro player and sell them off or keep them or develop them young. Uh, they already rated uh, Empoli for one midfielder. It looks like they're going to get another one. And so I don't know. I mean, they still got some good pieces in the midfield. They probably need another, another um, like box to box or, or, or player in the middle to, to play the system. And they're definitely going to need a, def- a new, a, a deep line playmaker because they don't really have anybody right now. Bakayoko was supposed to be the guy. Um, but for a variety of reasons, which I won't get into now, he's not going to. Be, he's gone back to Chelsea, and he's not going to play in Italy again. Yeah. Full stop. So. Yeah. And just, I mean, there's this past week, Pizarro. I think it was this past week or towards the end of last week, Pizarro. His name came up with the uh, Olympic Marseille, who 
I mean, they're going through their own crisis. They, they, they're. I, I don't. I think they're in Europa League, or they're not even in Europa League. I, I have to double check that. But they're not Champions League caliber. They're. They've spent money that it's kind of caught up to them. They bought Strutman, who was like a, a really big bot purchase for them, and they're selling off players. I mean, they sold uh, Lucas Ocampo or, or whatever, or I don't know who. It's something Ocampo. I don't know their squad too well. I mean, I should, but it, they're selling off players that, that are a little too pricey for them. And like, I think I think they're going the Milan route. They're looking for young and and bargain players, and Pisado would be a bargain. And as of right now. Marseille, the only, I think, credible threat offensively might be Florian Tovan. Uh, Dimitri Payet is still there. He He's washed. I, I think he's washed up. They had Balotelli, but Balotelli left. I don't know, I'm not sure where. And they need offense. They need offense really, really bad. And if you saw their friendly or the score to their friendly today against the uh, Rangers for nothing, you, you, you know why they, they need someone like Pizarro. Now, do I want him there? No, just because that's, uh, you know, if you don't know French football, uh, PSG and Marseille, that's the biggest uh, rivalry in, in France. So I would have to go to for cheering for him if he stayed these six months through this semester to booing the fuck out of him in the, in the, uh, starting next year. So I, I, I don't want that. And plus, uh, Marseille is a mess. I, I do not want him there. I've been adamant. I know Monaco last year they were going through their own mess, but it it's they you know self-inflicted, and they sold off a lot of their players. Eventually, was going to get caught up, especially because they bought 17, 18 year olds, and you know they expected them to perform. And it's just Monaco has a history of developing players. They have a history of of just having their bargains or players turn into bargains and for you know it's, it's a no pressure situation if he goes to milan you know pressure's already there and monaco you know not really a lot of pressure because for the most part i'm not going to say their fans are more chill but you're playing on a on an island full of rich people <laughs> so yeah it, it, i mean not a lot of pressure i mean Monaco is one of those clubs that they have a lot of history and but they're they're a club that swings that fights above their weight class and I don't know I, I just Jardim you know Leo Jardim I they realized that he's a really good coach which is why they brought him back uh, last season again after they fired him again after they fired him last season so you know I, I just want to see him in France just because France has a history of of developing players most of the best players in europe at one point spent some time in france so you know i think the french league is very underrated when it comes to being the first crack for for players who are trying to get their their feet wet in europe and like like i said monaco is a decent club it's not it's not a small club it's it's not it's not one of those um how would you say it? It's not like a West. I think I seen them look linked to West Ham too, or, or something like that, or or some. I'm not sure some other some other leagues, but I, I I've been adamant that if not Monaco, then Nice because Nice is also going to need some offensive help when um 
Oh, what's that striker's name? Uh, Maxime. I forget his last name. He wears a Gucci headband, which is really cool. <laughs> and and yeah, no, he, he he. I think he left to Crystal Palace. If I'm he he went somewhere in the Premier League. So Nice is gonna need some help offensively. I know a lot of people don't know Nice. Nice is pretty. It's they're a pretty good squad. Last year they made it. I'm not sure last year they made it to the Champions League. Um, towards the end of that qualifications for the Champions League, they ended up losing in that last round before you know you get into that group stage. But you know Nice overall, it's a pretty good. They're they're a mid table French league team. So you know I, I want him, I want Pizarro to go to a place where he can get his feet wet and then move on after a year year and a half if if he wants to do so, whether it be to another European club or 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 whatever. But if if I, I just want to see the guy succeed, I don't want him to go to a a situation where he won't get the playing time or the situation is just too toxic. I, I don't know if uh, you share the same sentiments, Pete. Uh, my opinion on him is there's a difference between playing for, there's a difference in pressure at playing in front of like the Stade Velodrome or the San Siro than there is playing in Monaco. There's a huge difference in, 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 in pressure. Like it's really like Milan could be extremely, extremely difficult place to play especially coming in, especially coming in from outside. Um, it can be a very intimidating place. Um, now, the expectations aren't necessarily there right now for the fans, but I mean, most Milan fans expect the team to be going for going for the Champions League, if not the Scudetto, every single year, and they expect them to win almost all their games. And when they don't, everyone gets picked apart. Um, so the, the idea is that somebody coming in from, like I said, it's a hard step. Now, somebody like Paqueta and Piontek, now Piontek went to Genoa first and then blew up and then got to transfer over. Like, if Milan was to purchase Pizarro, say, I would like to see them loan him out to somebody like Genoa. Uh, Genoa and uh, Milan usually have an understanding. Or someplace like that, or Bologna, or even one of those lower, one of the lower mid-table clubs. And so he can get some, so he can adjust and then come in and, and play. Um, if it's just a financial transaction where they're trying to make buy a bargain then give him a chance where he can start and play every single week and figure out how to how to succeed in syria ah without having you know seventy thousand people whistling at you when you when you turn the ball over and it leads to a goal so you know it's a different perspective on that and i agree i want no part of him marseille i don't like marseille uh i think they're weasels um so uh yeah i you know and yeah there's a mess and it's a mess they created on their own i think it's wonderful so um yeah no so i i don't want him to go to marseille again they're struggling if he goes in he'll expect it to be the savior and he can't do it all himself so yeah, uh, yeah no i wouldn't like that so yeah I, I and, say, and... no go ahead pete I was going to say, I'd like to see him go to a, a, a situation where he succeed. Um, I don't think that's going to be Marseille, not just because of my personal preferences, but, you know, that would play into it as well. Um, and then also just like a mid-table club, or even if he somehow does go to Milan, he's not going to come, he's not going to be starting every week. So I would like to see him, if they are going to bring him in, they can loan him out for six months or to see how it does. Yeah. It, it, there's, a, there's a different level of... Um, of pressure playing for somebody like Sampdoria or Genoa or Bologna or even like, you know, uh, Sassuolo than there is for, mm -hmm. you know, Milan. So, yeah. And like I was just going to add at Monaco, you know, they have some, they have at least two veterans that could probably take them under their wing and Cesc Fabregas and, and Radamel Falco. So, you know, 
that, those are two good, you know, savvy veterans to have. And and who knows, Mon- Monaco, they can surprise them. I mean, they have a lot. They have a lot of young talent. They they, they do like they all the money that they that they got from the purchases of Bakayoko, Mbappe, Lamar, Fabinho, uh, Benjamin Mendy, uh, Bernardo Silva. They invested it in young in, in really really young players like teenagers. So Monaco, they have the money, even though their president is facing tax evasion or federal stuff too. <laughs> and, yeah, 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 yeah. But they have the money. Some point is that Monaco has a shit ton of money, uh, and I think eight million should be no, you know, they can afford that, and. Yeah, they sold Bakayoko for forty million euro or yeah. forty million pounds or euros or whatever to to Chelsea, and yeah. that should you know, and Mbappe for how many? What like a hundred or something like that? Or hundred and eighty? Yeah, it was like a hundred and eighty, yeah, close to two hundred million. Got, yeah, they got money. Yeah, they, they got money. If that's it, and they spent it a lot. They like they they spent it on young players, like players that are probably going to cost less than twenty million euros. So they got the money, and like I said, he'll have two. Really good players to 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 learn from. Like Radamel Falco was, is you know not 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 this past season, but the last two seasons he's been one of the better strikers in, in Leon. And then they brought in Cesc Fabregas, who is a legend in himself. And so, what better situation to go in into a, a no, really no pressure situation. I mean, if Monaco competes in the league, if they win, if they can get one of the Champions League place or spots or Europa League spots. That's a win, and then you get to learn under two really good veterans uh, as your first, you know, in your first stop in Europe. And I think that's that's that that's kind of underrated for me. I think you know you get to learn from two of the best that at their positions in in Europe or or uh, certainly in France. So, but yeah, I mean, whatever Pizarro likes wants to do, I hope he does it after this uh, apertura, just because we do have the uh, the Club World Club. Or the Club World Cup, so hopefully he leaves in in the winter transfer. But Pete, you have any final thoughts just on this topic? Um, yeah, like I said, I'm not really convinced. It's a like it's a great it would be a great fit for Pizarro. Um, like I said, apparently, like I said, there's rumors that he's got an offer on the table from Milan. Again, if this is, I don't. I, I don't see him as the necessarily replacement that they think he is going to be, or it's a sign that they fail to have to move Paqueta, which would be greeted with, you know, which wouldn't be good for Bizarro either because Paqueta was, is seen as like a, bur- a burgeoning Brazilian star at the club. And there's, you know, he's not going to be the next Kaká, but you know, there you try telling the fans that. So there's, there's a certain amount of expectations that would go with it that I'm not sure Pizarro necessarily would be the best fit for him. That being said, if he does go there, I'll be all for it. I mean, I'll root him on, cheer him on. It'd be great to see him there, you know. But at the same time, I, I, I don't see the fit. But you know, I'm not the, I'm not the director. I'm not Paulo Maldini. So, hey, and you know, if he Pizarro says he wants him on the team, yeah. And and you're not Pizarro, who, yeah, you know, might be tempted to to you know. I, I think if a legendary club, even though they're on hard times right now comes calling for you it's kind of hard to say oh yeah it'd be very hard yeah you know there's certain clubs that'd be extremely hard to say no to as much as like you know know, 
I hate Real Madrid, but if they if they came calling, it'd be like, okay. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, even though you the know. situation doesn't fit you, you know, even career-wise, you know, it, you know, you do want to play for these big clubs, but even but sometimes you do need to take a step back and say, "Hey, how does this further my career?" Because ultimately these clubs are like the last stop in a player's development. Like if you leave these clubs, especially if you're you perform there, you usually leave within like the upper echelon of clubs. So, you know, this is like the last stop. So, you know, this could either make your career or it can break your career. And like you said, you know, ta- you know, tactical wise, he's not really a fit there at, at Milan. So, but it, it's going to be on him. It's going to be on the people who are in his entourage to tell him, Hey, Take take a step back. I know it's Milan, but where exactly are you going to play on this squad? Like, are you going to be starting? You know, I I know the coaches and and you know the sporting directors, etc. can can be very persuasive and say, hey, yeah, you know what, well, this is our plan, this is this. But then in December, it can all go down the drain. You know, so, so. yeah, it's like you said, it's one thing to say no to Milan. It's also no thing if Paulo Men. Paulo Maldini call personally calls you and says, "I'll see you in Milan." You know, it's it takes a certain kind of someone to say, "No, that's cool." Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so. it's it's going to be up to him decides what he wants to do. Uh, whatever he decides, I wish him the best. Again, I do not want to see him at Marseille though. Uh, yeah. The final yeah, topic. I, mean, I wish him. Oh no, I go wish ahead. Him the best. I wish him yeah. the best as well, but I'd rather him stay in Monterey and yeah. uh, win an Apertura. So yeah. The final topic. Uh, we're going to preview the Monterrey America game. I think America is still playing uh, against Tigres, or I don't know. I, I'm not even watching it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just give me your thoughts on, on this matchup. It's kind of weird. Not not weird, but it's, it's a little unusual that, you know, a really. I, I, th- I guess they want to have a marquee matchup of the week. But, you know, you have two heavyweights, especially, you know, club size wise uh, to start out the season. So just give me your thoughts on, on what do you expect from this matchup uh, next, next Saturday? Um, look, first of all, I'd like to point out that I hate the matchup uh, for, for uh, the beginning of the beginning of the season. Um, you never want to face like one of your, one of your best rivals right off the bat. So it's, you know, everyone's still kind of getting into shape. Everyone's still trying to figure it out. Um, the advantage that Riados have is they have a virtually unchanged side. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if have they even transferred anybody in. I don't think they even have. No, no, they so, haven't. So you've got a team that's used to playing with each other. So in that sense, it, it, it's, it's good. But at the same time, you know, you know, it, it, you can't, you can't have a bad first. If you have a bad first week and you're playing Atlas, not to pick on them, it, it, it's, it'll be okay. Yeah. Um, if you have a bad first week against America, that's not going to be okay. Yeah. And it can get ugly because they're good. I mean, they're they're a good team. They 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 know how to play. And um, I, I don't know. It's it it's going to be a like I said, it's going to be a, a difficult match. Uh, I think. I mean, if nothing else, the the last match against America was the uh, was like you know where I think both teams ended up playing with and ended the match with like nine men or something. Yeah, ridiculous it was like a crazy red card, dude. It was raining. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, it was it was a crazy match. I think it was like the it was like week three or week four or match day three, match day. It was it was early, but not this early. 
yeah, it was early. It was a mess. It was, it was like, like you said, it was just like, it was like, what am I watching? Cause it was like red card here, red card there. And I was like, you know, I don't even know if even the deserved it. So they decided, I don't know if the ref decided to, Hey, I better even this out and started showing more reds and it got in over his head or he decided he wanted the, or he decided that he wanted to be the star of the show. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it was, a, it was a crazy match. And I don't, I think both teams walked away from it kind of grumbling saying that, ah, and that shouldn't have been like that. Um, I don't know it's good or bad, but you know, that's when I look at it. So I, I don't know. It depends on if Alva, if Edson Alvarez does leave at all. And it looks like he is leaving. So I don't know if he's going to be around, um, even for this early in the, yeah. if he's around for the season, start of the season for America, but it, it, I don't know. They could go either way. They, they still got a talented side. They kind of fell off last season after winning that last year's Apertura. They didn't do quite so well in the Clausura. Um, I would like, I, I think Rados will beat them, but I think it's going to be close. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't uh, be surprised at the draw. Let me put it that way. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I I didn't take into account that you're right. They, for the most part, Rados are bringing in the, the same squad back that they had in the Clausura. So a lot of these players are familiar with each other. They 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 know their they know their I guess their habits and and they know where they like to have the ball et cetera et cetera and you know they're gonna have Pizarro and Charlie Rodriguez Salmontes who's a Gallardo back so you know they're just gonna be get, they're just gonna have they're gonna add more talent America did bring in Gio dos Santos but I don't believe he'll be ready for that and I, I think I read he'll be a no, few, I, I, a few I weeks. Read yeah I read that he's it's gonna it's gonna take him a few weeks he's not gonna be ready for yeah. Um, this already i yeah. don't see it so and I, I don't i mean i'm looking at a transfer tracker here and they brought in ruben gonzalez from nakaxa i don't know if they brought anybody else in oh that's it then it's him and geo i don't know i don't think they yeah. really improved their club that much yeah. so but. yeah and, and i wanted to also just i want to see how their field is because that was a storyline like the last i think last season too it was a storyline uh they just had an awful field so I'm just interested to see if, if if the field plays any part. I don't think it should, especially this early in the season, but you never know. So, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a good matchup to start out the season. I mean, uh, I think Rayados, for the most part this season, they have a lot of their difficult opponents, I guess, if you want to call them that, early on. I know they play Leon like match day three or something, and then they play Toluca match day five. They play... Uh, Tigres somewhere in the middle of the season. So they get most of like their quote unquote, you know, heavy opponents or whatever you want to call them to start the season. So they really can't afford it to leave points or start out or get off to a bad start. So it'll be interesting. You know, we'll, we'll be back next week to recap all this stuff and, and any other news that filters out during the week. But Pete, I appreciate you stepping in, filling Pat's shoes. If you just want to add anything, Twitter account, anything else you want to add before we go? Uh, no. Uh, again, um, I'm at footballpete717 uh, on Twitter. Uh, right now, yeah, anyways, that's where to find me at. Uh, I otherwise look for, find what I write about uh, Monterey on FMM State of Mind. That's fmmstateofmind.com. Uh, that's the place that's SB Nation's home for everything uh, everything related to Mexico. Mexico and Liga MX. So um, check out the previews and the recaps I do there. So 
Um, beyond that, just that's about it. So, again, thanks for having me on. No problem for Pete. I'm Eddie. We'll talk to you guys uh, next week.